This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 455 for May 6th, 2015. We're brought to you this week by Dashlane, Igloo, and The Great Courses. Hello, everybody, and I hope your life is full of sunshine as it is here in Seattle. No joke. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor to Macworld and the regular friendly voice on your non-radio dial as we talk about Mac stuff. And with me, as always, is Susie Oaks, the executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie. Hello from foggy San Francisco. Is it foggy? It sure is. I'm going to the ball game tonight, too, so I brought all my layers. Can you see? Are you sitting in seats (laughs) high enough that the fog will obstruct your view? There's no windows in the pod cave. <laughs> and we also have Caitlin McGarry, staff writer at Macworld. Hello, Caitlin. Hello. Thanks for having me. And Caitlin is in New York, so we have both coasts representing. Yes, it's finally warm out here. I'm so relieved. Oh, my God. Is the snow melted or is there still snow on the ground? There's no snow and it's <laughs> 81 degrees. What? It's wow. like summer has started. So we're not having spring or fall anymore. We're having deep winter and summer, and that's just going to be it. Yep, that's it. I don't want to cause any controversy, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, so uh, I wonder why. <laughs> so since the last uh, time we recorded, all of us have watches. I think some of us had watches last time, and now all of us have Apple watches. This will be a watch-heavy uh, week since we've had actually had time to, to work with it. Susie's written her full review. Caitlin's written about uh, multiple subjects, including uh, the fitness-related uh, activity uh, performance of the watch and, uh, and how to clean it. So we're going to talk about a bunch of watch stuff this week. So people who are Mac users, well, you all have a watch eventually, so you should probably listen to. Uh, <laughs> there's no Mac news this Resistance week. is futile. Right. Well, you know, the, uh, Apple came out with numbers. We don't typically talk about their sales figures on the show because, uh, I, I don't know, it's... Um, it gets so churned and overturned. We don't talk about that, but hey, the numbers look good, right? Apple did another good stellar quarter of financial performance. Uh, yeah, and the watch wasn't included in that quarter, so that was just uh, more iPhone growth out in China. And the Mac had a good quarter. I guess it was a record uh, quarter for the Apple Store, or I'm sorry, the App Store. So we have the issue of the iPad, which um, it's funny. Uh, you know, I was initially dubious about the iPad. Uh, when I first saw it, I thought, amazing piece of hardware. I wonder if it can find a market because I wasn't convinced it met a need. And then, you know, it sold pretty huge. It was the fastest selling product Apple ever had. I think it still is mm-hmm. for the moment. Uh, but we're seeing a huge tapering off in sales. And uh, how do you view that, Susie? Do you think, uh, I mean, there's differing explanations as to why. Yeah, the thing that Apple keeps saying in the earnings calls is that um, you know they, they don't think the market is saturated yet. A lot of the people buying iPads are buying their first iPad, but I think a lot of people might still be on their first iPad. Like it's it's you know there's only so much technology you can buy in in a year, especially when you're an Apple fan, and you know that technology is kind of expensive. And yeah, upgrading the iPad just never has been a priority for me because you know there's always phones to buy and Max, and now there's a watch. So, um, so yeah, a lot of people might just be like, okay, well, the iPad, you know, it's getting faster. It hasn't gotten a ton of new features. It's not like, you know, like the camera gets a little better, but unless you use your iPad as a camera, that, that's not super compelling. But it's not like the phone where, you know, it's taking big design leaps every couple of years and, and you're carrying it with you everywhere you go. So it's getting kind of beat up and it's under contract. So you get a subsidized price every two years. It's like you're shelling out full price for this, this kind of third device that fits a really nice need between your phone and your computer, 
but it just you know it doesn't really wear out like those other things do as much um i, I still have my first gen ipad it's still kicking it still holds a charge i can't get it past ios 5 um but it plays netflix and it plays my son's tokoboka apps and you know every time he drops it i kind of like cross my fingers that <laughs> it's not going to turn back on and it always turns back on so so yeah it's it's maybe people just aren't buying like their second and third iPads as quickly and that's some of the taper. Well, I wonder if between, uh, you know, people did travel with it, but I wonder if between the iPad's Gorilla Glass and maybe its resiliency, like the way it's constructed, uh, it just feels like they fail less often. And, you know, I had just upgraded uh, a MacBook after four years, and, and really it was partly because I want to write about the new MacBook. It's really a journalist business decision that I got a new computer. Otherwise, I would have waited another year or two, and I would have had a you know, five or six year gap on my MacBook. I have a 2011 Mac Mini that's giving me lots of Taurus right now, but it's still, it's four years old, it's ostensibly functioning, uh, and, uh, and if the iPad winds up being on a computer or less than computer cycle, you know, what if people hold on to them for four to ten years? I get email all the time from people who are still running you know, something around Panther, they might have a 2006 Mac that does exactly what they need to do, and they're thinking, all right, well, now it's been long enough, and now I'm starting to feel it, uh, maybe I want to do something. So could the iPad be on that long a cycle, I wonder? Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's been out five years. It's hard to remember a time before the iPad, but it's really only been five years. So, yeah, like they've brought up in the earnings calls a couple times that they don't really have a firm um, pattern for what the upgrade cycle is. Oh, yeah, and the bulk just, of them would have been bought really in years two and three, like by numbers, because yeah. the decline in sales, or I should say the decline in growth only started happening uh, you know, in the last couple of years. So the so the peak group of users might have two to three-year-old iPads, everyone else has either a much older or a much newer one too. So, mm-hmm. well, it's interesting. It's just everyone expects that anything Apple comes with, uh, comes out with, gets cycled quickly. And I always feel they ignore that longer term cycle. That Apple is always incremental, and people think of them as revolutionary. I'm like, no, you know, the Ma- new MacBook is revolutionary, and people have lots of feels about <laughs> that, but um, <laughs> because it made a lot of changes all at once. But you, you know, the MacBook Air was that way. But then they incremented the Air for uh, what seven years? They're still incrementing it. They came out with a new version this year, even even after the MacBook. That's you know got minor tweaks. So uh, yeah, I, I wonder if it goes in the long cycle. The other argument I've heard, which sounds reasonable to me, I mean, Caitlin, do you think that I iPhone like six plus does that take some of the life out of the iPad for the same kind of user? I think it might. Um, so my my boyfriend just got a new uh, an iPad Air two and also an iPhone six plus, and Funny. I I find that he's definitely using the six plus more than the iPad, um, which I'm not thrilled about because I bought him the iPad, but. Um, <laughs> But the, the large screen is, is a huge deal, and I didn't realize when it came out just how, um, how big the difference would be, but it's so easy to just get lost scrolling through photos and tweets and sending emails, and, and soon you realized you've done all of that on your phone. So um, I'm not sure that, I, I agree with Susie that we don't know the replacement cycle. The iPad is very expensive. It's not subsidized by carriers. So I, I think that um, people are just going to wait longer to replace their iPads. 
it feels like a, a pattern. And, you know, I don't, we're, we try not to be Apple apologists. We're not making an excuse. Why is the iPad not selling better? Why won't they leave Johnny alone? Uh, but it, but there, there's that curiosity when it sold so fast, so quickly. You have to feel that there's something other than people went, meh. Um, you know, on the low end, and I, I wonder, the Chromebooks have gotten a lot better. Now, I totally know that a Chromebook is not a Mac, but is a Chromebook an iPad? You know, like there's the ecosystem issue. Chromebooks aren't tied in with photos. They're not tied in with iCloud and so forth. But I wonder if better Chromebooks take some of the life out of uh, the iPad market because they fit in that transition where a netbook was so underpowered it didn't. I don't know. I may be stretching it too far, but who knows? No, that's a good point. And I think um, even... Chromebooks and uh, there's some good Android tablets like the Kindle the Kindle Fire tablets aren't you know pure Android but those are really nice and like some of those Nexus tablets are pretty nice and if you were gonna go outside the Apple ecosystem for one device the tablet would be the one to do it with you know because your phone like okay a lot of the cool apps come to the iPhone first and you want your phone to sync with your computer all your calendars and your music and everything like having your phone and your your iPhone and your Mac like that's that's a marriage made in heaven. But then when you get to the iPad, it's not like your daily carry device. You're going to use it for email and stuff, but you know, you can log into your email accounts on an Android tablet. That's not a big deal. Um, and you know, if you're using it for a lot of entertainment and games and stuff, like most of that is on both platforms. So yeah, I mean, for Apple fans, you know the iPad is still the best tablet, and I probably wouldn't buy a tablet that isn't an iPad. But you know, you could you could pick up a Kindle Fire and and have that as your tablet and save a little money, well, and a, you wouldn't you wouldn't be losing that much. I don't think a lot of Chromebooks that are around three hundred dollars now that are yeah. not bad. Apparently, they've really come. I mean, I don't track that market, but I've just been reading reviews lately, and I'm sort of surprised how quickly that went from people sort of pointing and laughing at Google, ha ha, you know, and then there's Google's the high end Chromebooks, which are not as well-powered as comparable Windows PCs and, um, and Macs, but the low-end ones are, are really interesting. So, well, in any case, you know, that, that's the point, is that Apple didn't set out to necessarily, you know, they weren't trying to solve a problem. They were trying to find a new line of revenue, and they did. They have a new multi-billion dollar line of revenue. The product works great, and it clearly was one of the things that led to them being able to develop larger iPhones as well. So, uh, so let's now we have some watch news. Let's uh, so uh, watch band guidelines have come out from Apple for uh, third parties to make them. That's a that's an interesting development. It seems like is it early that they do this, or is, are they being more open than usual in terms of how they're uh, releasing these as opposed to having like licensing agreements? Um, it might be a little early just because people are still ordering the you know their watches like we're still kind of ramping up the watch orders so you know hearing that third-party bands are right around the corner you know you might think twice about ordering a, a spare band from apple if you were getting say like an apple watch sport and you like the sport band for most things but you wanted you know a dressier band for getting dressier <laughs> um you know you might not say like okay i'm, I'm not gonna drop 200 on the milanese loop right now i'm gonna i'm gonna wait and see if you know there's there's one from from a, a third party that will look just as nice and and match the sports aluminum finish and you know be able to dress up that model without without buying an apple band so it seems a little early but it's also very welcome i mean 
who doesn't want third-party bands? It's, it also feels like Apple may have signaled third-party watch bands more than uh, in other categories. You know, sometimes they do things where you're like, they're trying to deter people. In this case, it's so easy to change the watch band out. They had limited choices. Some of the choices are relatively expensive, although they have, you know, they bring wonderful attributes with them. And it, it almost felt like they were saying, okay, we're going to have a limited subset, but everybody else go crazy. This is the ecosystem we're going to support where we don't want you to do, you know, whatever else like inductive charger replacements or something. Yeah. Uh, and if it was going to happen anyway, like people have been kickstarting different adapters that, you know, they claim will let you use any standard watch band with mm. the Apple Watch. So maybe Apple was like, look, this is going to happen whether, you know, we're in on it or not. So we might as well have a, <laughs> let's start licensing them and, and you know, put out guidelines and, and there, there could be like an MFI program for the Apple Watch kind of um I don't know if that's the direction they're going in, but people are getting excited but yeah, this it's week. Probably about, like this is going to happen either way. We might as well, you know, have it happen on our terms if we can. People were getting excited this week about the you know quote discovery unquote of the diagnostic port that's hidden by one of the uh, watch straps, and uh, even though that was in, you could see it in the uh, the production videos when they mm -hmm. showed the watches being made. You saw there was some port there, and uh, a lot of products um, you know have a diagnostic port. Apple's typically don't. They have port ports, right? They don't have a diagnostic port and this seems like that's what it might be for and there's at least one band maker that's making a charge band that you know it will apparently take use of this make use of this port to charge and bypass the inductive charger that seems like kind of a, a risk right caitlin like uh feels like apple doesn't always support third-party things that make use of unsupported undocumented features <laughs> Yeah, this this doesn't sound like the greatest idea to me. I, I would just be concerned with wearing uh, a charger on my wrist. I mean, like, what if what if it burns you? Or, or you know, it's like it's not supported by Apple. They don't want you. They don't want the the third party accessory makers to put chargers in their bands. And I think that just makes sense from a from a safety perspective. I mean. Um, there's there's so much that could go wrong there. So I, I don't know about these um, unsupported products. I'd be a little wary of them. I have I have some concerns, but I understand people's you know immediate worry that they're going to use it so heavily they're going to run out of charge. And in the reviews I'm reading, I see that you know depending on use, and we'll talk about this in just a moment too, that that's going to weigh on people, and it's going to be harder with the inductive charger to be charging out and about like you can with the a phone. So I expect people will be interested. But um, I, I wonder if there'll be battery packs like they are now that have both USB plugs and an inductive uh, charging unit that you could put it on temporarily. But then I wonder, you know, how will the interface with Apple? They're not, are they going to license it? We talked about, would they license that kind of support for the inductive charger? Or is it always going to be kind of weird third party um, attempts to reverse engineer? I don't know. Um, we're, we're also, so we're still waiting, of course, so it's probably months to go, and we'll hear about that uh, in early June. We should hear at WWDC uh, announcement about when we'll see uh, native app support, like when Apple will actually allow developers to uh, start shipping those. But I feel like uh, now we've all been using the watch for at least a week now, uh, and some of us longer. Um, have you guys started to see updates? I've seen some to apps that already have uh, come out. They've added watch elements after launch or improved uh, early watch um, support? I've seen some that mention that they're just, you know, improving things. Like Evernote said that they were tweaking their watch app. So I think, you know, a lot of the companies had to, to design them just based on the simulators. And now, you know, they're, they're learning kind of what, what the hardware can really do. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I've seen a few. I haven't seen 
I, I've been focusing mostly on first party apps because I'm writing a definitive guide to every first party app. We're going to like rank them all and give them grades. And it's a, bi- a big thing I've been working on. That's going live. That'll be live uh, at the same time as the podcast. So check that out. So I haven't been playing with as many third party apps as I as you know I'd like to. Um, but the when I look when I update my apps in my iPhone, which I do manually so I can keep an eye on the release notes, I have noticed in some of the release notes that, you know, apps are saying like, Oh yeah, and we've you know, further optimized and gotten bugs out of our Apple Watch app. I was yeah, surprised. I, oh sorry, go ahead. I, I, I just noticed um yeah, some little tweaks here and there. I haven't noticed any major overhauls, but um when before the watch was released I spoke with a lot of developers who, you know, didn't get the chance to go to Cupertino and, and test their watch apps in, in the lab, you know, and sort of get a, and get a better idea of how they would perform um, with daily use. So I think we'll see a lot of people revisit their apps and, and say, okay, this makes no sense for someone to use on a watch. Like, what were we thinking? Um, but I think that's great. Like, get it out there, and then if it's not performing like you thought it would, totally overhaul it for a, a better use case. I think that that's great. I know some developers would just have gotten watches last week because Apple apparently randomly selected some people with dev accounts and said, we're going to make available a very particular, probably lower-selling version of the watch. It was <laughs> the uh, aluminum finish blue sports band 42 millimeter, I think, was the, like a very specific model. Yeah, yeah. Like, we got a, a warehouse full of these and they need to go. So they, uh, I, uh, one of the developers I know who got it, uh, the email said something about, you know, you've been randomly selected and if you place the order by the 27th, uh, it will ship guaranteed on the 28th, and I believe most of those arrived uh, on the 29th. So that should help a lot of developers who weren't able to uh, order in the first pass and are still waiting for their their watch from the initial order sales. Uh, well, we're going to talk about Susie's review in just a second, but we're going to take a pause to thank one of this week's sponsors, Dashlane. So, uh, you know, I read about security for Macworld and for other publications, and uh, one of the things that people wrestle with all the time are these password requirements. You need to have a password that's 73 characters long, has exactly your mother's name mixed up in it, in anagram form, and 14 forms of punctuation you've never used before. Uh, if you're like me, you will never memorize that, and you'll probably pick something that is actually an English phrase with a few letters changed enough to qualify for the algorithm on the website to let you enter it. That's a terrible password. They're easily broken, even if they're long. Uh, Dashlane helps you manage your passwords because it can create them for you according to rules. It can fill them in for you online. You have them everywhere you go, on your computer, on your phone. They're always with you, and they're secured, and they're always synced and up to date. So you never have to remember another password, which is uh, a godsend for most of us. Uh, every, pa- every site I go to, I try to create a unique password for. It's a hassle. With a manager like Dashlane, uh, you don't have to do the overhead. You use a computer for what it's good for. It will actually do the hard thinking for you and the memorization. Uh, And because you've got it synced to multiple places, if you lose one device, you don't lose everything. You've got your backups. So uh, you won't suddenly lose your entire store of passwords. If you're sick of clicking reset password, well, get Dashlane and here's the deal. 
Macworld listeners, you can download it for free. That's right, free. If you go to dashlane.com slash Macworld, that's D-A-S-H-L-A-N-E, dashlane.com slash Macworld, and get your free copy of software that can make your life both easier and more secure. I know those two things sound like an oxymoron when placed together, but in fact, over 2 million users online have already been helped by Dashlane, and so could you. So thanks to Dashlane for sponsoring us this week. And, uh, and now, Susie, you lived with that watch for several days. <laughs> lived with it, slept with it, stayed up till 1 a.m., nursed it back to health. Uh, you watched it almost ebb away as the battery life went down <laughs> below into red. Uh, and then you wrote a, a great long review about it, a very thoughtful, uh, you know, we kind of, uh, there's, the, there's the day of reviews for people who are seated with, with hardware ahead of time. Those are difficult to write. There's a lot of constraints in those because you don't necessarily have access to everything that's out there. And you write, we wrote what we call more like a day two review, uh, which is that you've had time to live with it in the ecosystem that everyone else is dealing with as software is released and hardware and so forth. Uh, what's, your, uh, what's your take on the watch? Um, I really like it. I like it a lot, but it's, it's one of those things. It's a tough thing to review. I mean, when a computer comes out, you know, you can run the benchmarks and do the battery tests and everyone kind of understands, you know, what a computer is supposed to deliver. And the same thing with a phone. Um, and you know, we've had many iterations of these that we can compare them against. This is so new and it's so personal. People's opinions of it are going to be really subjective. Um, your killer use case is going to differ from person to person. Um, like if you live somewhere really rainy, you might love the watch because you can keep your phone in, you know, in your inside pocket of your parka and it's not, you know, subject to the elements. And then you can just use your watch because it's water resistant, quite rainproof. Um, that's not me because it never rains here. <laughs> so just little things like that are going to differ so much from person to person. Um, I really like it, but I, it hasn't like changed my game yet. There's a few little things about it where I'm like, oh, hey, that's handy. But if I left my phone at home by accident, like that's a weird day. Everything feels strange. It feels like you're walking around like with, you know, one of your hands fell off or something. Like everything's <laughs> wrong. But if I left my watch at home, like, like, so the video producer just came and took my watch away because they're doing a video and they need to take beauty shots of it. And, you know, so if, if I didn't have my watch for the whole day, I would probably be like, oh yeah, I just don't have, you know, I'd have to look at my clock to my phone to see what time it is, but it wouldn't, you know, it, it doesn't feel like I've, I'm missing something essential. It's, it's very extra, but it's a good smartwatch. I mean, that, that's just kind of what, what smartwatches are right now. They're kind of extra. It's a second screen for your phone. It's a, you know, a little remote control for your phone. And that's handy, but, you know, it's, it, it's still expensive. It's still kind of finding, you know, its purpose. So I feel like the people who really want one, like, they should get one, and they're going to probably really like it because it's, it's very nice. It does what it, what it set out to do very well. Um, but if people are still on the fence, they're like, yeah, I don't know, like, do I really need this? And, you know, I wanted to get a new computer this year. I don't have enough money for both. It's totally fine to wait. I think it's going to get faster. I think it's going to get um, just more compelling use cases as we go. Maybe it'll get new features. Maybe the next one will have GPS built in, like, thing, you know, little things like that. Um, it's it, it feels pretty first generation. You know, there's that magic moment that I've only experience a little bit with it. And when you describe that sense of, you know, you don't yet feel as if your hand was cut off when you don't have it. I, yeah. I know that. Here's the test. So, you know, when you have your phone and you're reading on your phone and then you look for your phone because you can't find it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've done that 
I've done that just recently. I'm so glad that's not just me. No, it's oh phantom God. phone syndrome. And it's, that's the Onion article, Apple releases phone for your other hand. And I thought, <laughs> it's not really that far off. Uh, I haven't had that sense with the watch yet. For me, I keep feeling it. It's almost like, oh, God, do I have to wear this thing? Because, you know, all three of us, we write about it. We need to get watches because this is part of our bread and butter. We need to know and understand how technology that's being released in our core coverage area that we spend every day with. How is this going to affect users and readers and, and Apple? But, uh, you know, so it feels a little bit like a burden to me. Like, oh, do I have to wear it? But I ha- I've had a couple of these moments. And I'm curious about both of your experience where my the, I got a little haptic touch or there's a little chime and I looked and I was like, ah, and I went, oh, oh, that's it. And I've had, you know, maybe a half a dozen of those so far, but I'm having more and more of them. And maybe it's because I'm tweaking notifications. I turned a lot of stuff off initially. Maybe yeah. it's because uh, suddenly uh, a Fitbit, I didn't even know, I must have turned it on, but I hit my Fitbit count the other day and my watch gives me a little bloop and I look and I'm like, oh, and I thought, oh, this is it. This is what I want. I don't want to look at my phone to tell me I hit my Fitbit step count. I want my watch to tell me because my watch is about me, right? So have you had those kinds of little, or maybe you're seeing many more than I am because mine have been very limited so far. Yeah, I've had a few. Um, I talk about this a little bit in the review, but um, uh, I, I listen to podcasts in the car and when when the turn by turn navigation voice comes on and they give you like three prompts sometimes, two or three prompts for a turn and it, it just, it just keeps cutting into your podcast and you're like okay yeah i'd have to turn right like stop let me listen to my podcast but then if you turn the voice prompts off you know you get engrossed in the podcast and you miss the turn so with the watch it'll just tap you on the wrist and you can turn off those voice prompts and that was kind of cool i was like oh man this is great like suddenly i can you know i won't miss a turn and i'll still you know my music or my podcast won't be interrupted like that that actually makes things better but I mean, that's a small thing and, you know, some people might not care. So, yeah, but I have found a few things like that. Um, I, I, I haven't I miss text messages sometimes um, from like the nanny text text me a lot and my husband. And sometimes I don't notice those right away. And I'm noticing those right away now on the watch. So I feel like, you know, I'm more available for those people who need me. That's been really nice. So, yeah, I, I, I do find those little things. Um, completing the activity rings has become, like, really important to me in a way that it hasn't been with my Fitbit. Or I'm also testing a jawbone. I got a jawbone up up two on my other wrist, like a dork. So Susie um, Cyborg. Yeah, but the seeing those rings, like, I just really want to close them. Like, the other day, it was, it was the end of the day. It was I was at 29 out of 30 exercise minutes, and I just did jumping jacks <laughs> in my living room. I'm like, okay, one minute, let's do this. Oh, I'll like, sometimes run up and down a few flights of stairs. The yeah, that that's kind of that's weird for me, you know? Like, I, you, you know, the 10,000 steps that my jawbone wants me to get to, if I get there, great. If I don't, I don't really care. But, like, for some reason, closing those rings... It's it's powerful. I don't know. What do you think, Caitlin? Um, I actually have been really loving the activity and workout apps. Um, I I love just you know heading outside and and just setting the workout on my on my watch and and just taking off. You know, not having to worry about my phone or you know being able to keep track of my pace. And um, you know, I just moved to a new neighborhood, so I didn't have uh, a running route there yet. And so I sort of looked at a map and then and just told it to tell me when three miles was up. And I just took off and 
that was great because it was tapping me the whole way, like one mile done, halfway done, two miles, three miles. And, and now I have a better idea of where to run in my neighborhood because I know, you know, three miles for me is a little under 30 minutes, which is, you know, that's like a standard day of exercise. So that was, that was sort of what I was aiming for. Um, and then to be able to keep track of it throughout the day, like the rings, as Susie was saying, and steps. And I just love how it looks on both the watch app and, um, you know, I can look at it on my phone and it shows the charts and everything is beautifully laid out. And um, I, I like the fitness features as much as I expected I would. That was a huge selling point for me. Um, and also I commute on the subway every day. So I was having to take my phone out of my pocket to check the time or to, you know, skip to the next song on Spotify. And now I can just, you know, raise my wrist, glance down. Okay. There's the time I'm late to work. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I need to skip to the next song. So I just, you know, control the volume and glances, um, or, or skip to the next song and glances. And I don't have to pull my phone out of my pocket at all, which is great because, you know, I'm on a crowded train and somebody could snatch my phone out of my hand, like with no problem. Um, but it would be a little harder to snatch this watch off my wrist, I think. Well, I haven't tried it, but I, I'm hoping it's, <laughs> I'm hoping it would be a little less, uh, a little harder. Um, but yeah, so I'm just, I, I like it as a fitness tracker and I like it just as a watch. You know, I, I don't wear watches often. Um, and I, I know that they're, they're pretty expensive. I, I would say that, you know, a good watch that you would want to keep around is 350 and up. So, um, for me, the watch as a watch is just really solid. Well, yeah, I was going to, you know, I think you brought up a really important point is, you know, I'm, I'm both a guy and a non-commuter. So my, like, both exposure to risk and, uh, you know, so there, I mean, there's multiple levels of that, right? There's, like, I have different levels of risk as a guy than as a different, other gender. I have, uh, because I don't commute, I'm also a country mouse. I live in Seattle, which is this tiny little big town where we're like a bunch of villages that happen to be interconnected uh, by city streets than, uh, than a city uh, like New York or San Francisco or, or uh, and so forth. Um, and uh, uh, and the commuting thing as well, because I don't have a commute at the moment. And when I did, I had a walking commute uh, uh, for several months recently. Um, I have a very different perception there too. It's like I, I wondered, you. it sounds like you already do feel less exposed. I mean, everybody has a smartphone seemingly. You know, every third person has one um, in big cities maybe. So maybe pulling a phone out doesn't feel as exposed now as it would a few years ago. But it still sounds like that is a there is an issue. Like someone could grab your phone where the watch is less uh, obtrusive and maybe would require a you know, different kind of theft. But does that, and also I was wondering even about the sense of you pull out your phone, you're looking for a location, you're checking it out, you're less aware of your surroundings. I'm wondering if the watch doesn't make you appear, let's say, as vulnerable or as, as unaware of your surroundings because you can glance at it. Yeah, Rene Ritchie's been tweeting about um, how he thinks travel is the killer the killer app for the Apple Watch. Like he's taken it on a few trips and he's like, it's great, you know, I can navigate around, but I'm not like taking myself quite so out of, you know, being present um, when I just check something on my watch than when I, you know, get out my phone. Because like, yeah, if you unlock your phone to, you know, look up a restaurant and Yelp or to get directions or something, like, you know, you have to look at a bunch of other icons. You might end up being like, oh, did anybody tweet me? Or you see the little red badges on your your app icons and you're like, oh, okay, you know, I have... 
I have messages waiting for me and notifications and you can get kind of sucked in. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to trying it on a trip and seeing if, if I have a trip to Monterey with my family this weekend, you know, they don't like it when I use my phone too much. So, so I will be, be testing it, you know, as a, 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 from a travel perspective soon, but yeah, I mean, they do tell people, I think the cell phone theft thing might be getting a little better because of, um, you know, they put in those kill switches and, yeah. Um, but they do tell you to, you know, not pull your phone out on public transportation. Like the cell iPhone snatchings used to be a huge problem here in San Francisco. Um, you still see people doing it. They're all doing it. So yeah, I was wondering that about the watch myself, if it was like, you'd be kind of more under the radar, just, you know, a couple subtle taps on your wrist. You don't even have to like raise it all the way up to your face. You could probably do it kind of down by your waist if you were standing or. If you steal you, it, you can't do anything with it either, right? The minute it comes true. off your if wrist, you steal it's sort it, of Yeah, pointless. it locks as soon as you take it off. Um, but it's also kind of like a signal a little bit. Like mm -hmm. if you see someone with an Apple watch <laughs> and they have a bag, like, you know, there's an iPhone in that bag. And if, if it's <laughs> well, a computer bag, you know, there might be a Mac in there too. It's yeah. like, it's like those stickers that they, the little Apple logo stickers and people put them on their car yeah. that you get with <laughs> Apple products. I was never, I was always like fascinated that people put those on their car. Cause it just seems like, Hey, look, like I'm a person who buys expensive gadgets and this is my car, you know, like which car are you going to break into if you're. A, you know, low life who breaks in the cars. I'm gonna break into the one with the Apple sticker on it. Just saying. Uh, let's let's take a quick break, <laughs> and then we're gonna we'll come back to uh, talking more about the review. Because I want to thank another sponsor here in the middle of the show. Let's give thanks to Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. Igloo is a cloud platform that can help you do your best work. You can share files, you can post blog updates, you can coordinate calendars and manage projects. It's easy to use and easy to configure, even for the most non-technical of users, and it's built using responsive design. That means that anything you can do at your desk, you can do on the go, on a phone, a mobile, not yet the watch, I believe, but you know what's coming. The watch <laughs> is going to be, you'll be able to tap responses there, too. If you're stuck in a large enterprise with SharePoint or you're a fast-growing business that's overwhelmed by apps, you can create an intranet that matches your brand's look and feel. It simplifies how you work and it's accessible wherever you and your employees go. You can sign up now and try it for free by going to igloosoftware.com slash Macworld. That's igloo, I-G-L-O-O, software.com slash Macworld and give it a try for free and give a bump up to your intranet and make it as accessible and responsive as the internet has been become. So thanks to Igloo Software for being one of our sponsors this week. Uh, so Susie, what are some of the things that you liked about the watch that, uh, so we'll, we'll talk about the things you didn't like also. We'll get to that. There's plenty of those, but, uh, cause you gave it three and a, three and a half mice. This is a three and a half mouses review. Uh, yeah. but there are, there, there are other things that you liked about it. What, what are a few other things that, uh, that made you happy to use it? I love the remote app. Um, once I got it paired with my Apple TV, um, the remote app is killer. It's almost as good as the remote app for iPhone. The remote app for iPhone has a advantage that when you have to enter text yes. into your Apple TV, the you know you the iPhone just throws the keyboard up there and you can enter it with the keyboard. With the watch, it, you still have to do the kind of hunt and peck thing that you have to do with the little metal physical remote. So the watch lets you navigate around, but you know it doesn't have a keyboard, so you can't type. So, but if you're just navigating around, like I don't, you know, all my 
services are logged in now on my Apple TV and I don't end up having to type that much unless I'm performing a search or something. But just navigating around with the menus and, you know, playing, pausing has been awesome with the watch because it's just right there. You never have to like look around and figure out where the remote is or like, oh, I can't change the channel unless I go get my iPhone and unlock it. And so, um, yeah, that's been really great. Oh, the camera remote app. Do you use that? Because I, I kind of love that. Yeah, the camera remote app is brilliant too. Um, I like how it has the little like burst mode. If you if you hit yeah. the three, there, so there's a, a shutter button to take a picture with your paired iPhone right away. So you have to kind of set your iPhone up, and and then you can you hit this button on your watch and it takes a picture. But then there's also a little timer thing. It has a, a button with a little three on it, and if you hit that, it does a countdown on your watch. And then it doesn't just take one picture, it takes a burst of 10 pictures. So if you're trying to, you know, get in a group shot or if you're doing like a selfie where you jump up in the air or something, you, you have like a, you have a better chance of capturing the thing you want because you have, like, oh, you know, it's taking 10 photos. I just realized burst. I'm a silly person. I've been, <laughs> the way I've been setting it up. So the, the camera app gives you a preview from the phone. Mm-hmm. I've been setting it up in selfie mode, the phone in selfie mode, so I can see, because I'm so used to doing that if I'm trying to take a picture of myself or other people. You don't have to do that. You can use the, yeah. back, the better back camera yep. because you can see, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> so obviously I need to improve how I think about this. You still have to set up the shot or frame it from yeah. the front, but then... Uh, but once you've got it framed, then you can, you know, still look in the look in the watch before you uh, as you get into position. Yeah, and I mean they sell you know like Bluetooth shutter releases and stuff like there's there's camera accessories for the phone that will let you do kind of the same thing, but you don't get to preview the picture. Like being able to preview the picture on your watch is pretty mm -hmm. neat. And then um, and you know it's just like a a, a nice built-in add-on for the watch. It's, a value add, as they say. So so that's been cool. Um, what else do I love about my watch? I like the timer feature, which is weird because yes. I use it on my phone all the time. But being able to say, hey, Siri, oh, I can't, if I, Ahoy Telephone. That's the approval. <laughs> uh, you know, set timer for five minutes and we'll talk about whether that'll work or not. But but when it works, it's like, oh, the timer goes and then I get the haptic buzz on my, you know, the, on my uh, wrist. And it's so much better than a phone experience. Yeah, it's harder to ignore, and yeah, they're really easy to set up. I use my phone for timers and alarms like constantly, so having that on my watch has been very handy. Or wristy. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, I've actually humor. been uh, I've been loving Digital Touch. I have to say, I've been hassling Susie with the Digital <laughs> Touch for like. A week and a half now. It's been amazing. Yesterday, um, you kept tapping me while we were filming. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was like, where's the button for mute? <laughs> can't mute me. I know. That's the thing. I can't mute you. That's why you love it. It's like a Brookback Mountain thing. I can't mute Caitlin you. and I have a million ways to keep in touch across the country. Like, we're in hip chat. You know, we email each other. We text and whatever. But, like, sometimes, you know, she has trouble getting my attention. <laughs> She'll be hip chatting me. She's like, hey. I wrote a story, please edit it and put it on the website and then she'll send me a link and then like 10 minutes later she's like, hello, are you there? And I'm like, oh yeah. So now she just taps on my wrist. It's pretty great. She's just like tap, 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 tap. Apple's friendship issues though? Like, so for a long time Apple didn't believe we had friends or family. Then it grudgingly accepted that we might have family, you know, with home sharing. Then they're like, all right, maybe you have family who use phones and tablets, so that, you know, so it's gotten there. 
why can we only have 12 friends? <laughs> and, and so what I've been hearing uh, from other podcasts especially uh, is that <laughs> from friends, like they're like, I have random people, my friends group who happen to own Apple Watches. They're people yeah. I don't talk to all the time. They just have Apple Watches. I'm like, so I understand. There's a Reddit group. But There's I'm like, a Reddit group if you don't have a friends with Apple Watches oh, and you want to send someone your heartbeat. It's and a very positive use Redditors of Redditors are reaching out and heartbeating each but, other. But yeah, isn't it's that nice. kind of funny that they, I mean, I know they're trying to simplify uh, and they want you to have this circle, but I'm like 12 is a weird in the fact that I have to I, I was trying to send someone a message the day and they like they'd put me in their friends group but I didn't put them in mine so I couldn't I can't I don't think I could ta- like I got the message and then I tried to heartbeat them back and I couldn't it just it seems strange to me am I alone in feeling this strange uh, our, our 21st century problems <laughs> yeah <laughs> they just need to have like I like the ring of 12 because it's a watch so like 12. ring of 12 makes sense yes the, the ring, ring of 12 the, ring of the 12. fellowship of the ring of 12 <laughs> but yeah I mean once once the watch like takes the country by storm you'll you might have more than 12 friends with one and then you don't have to the people in your your ring, your friend's ring, don't all have to have watches. Like that can be a shortcut place for you to call them or text them from your watch. Right. But it makes sense that, you know, those are your digital touch friends. So maybe they just need to like a, you swipe to the right and you get another ring, you know, and then you can just keep having groups of 12. You can be like, you made my top dozen. Oh, you're, in, you're in my B dozen. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'll have my Johnny Cash ring. It'll be my ring of fire. Yes. Uh, so sorry. So <laughs> what are things... <laughs> Since we've talked about rings and things, rings and things and fine array, to quote Shakespeare. Uh, but one of the things you didn't like, because uh, you had, I mean, this is a three and a half mouse uh, uh, review is what you gave it. And that's a uh, mice review. Uh, so there are clearly things that bugged you. What are some of the, the things that you found detracted from this early experience? Um, one thing that drives me bananas is that you can't hide any of the built-in apps from the home screen. So, like, the functions that are in the clock app on your iPhone on the watch are broken out into five different apps. <laughs> and, that, I mean, that makes sense, I guess. Like, it, it might not be a good experience to try to put them all in one app and have you swipe between them or whatever. But... Yeah, I mean, they're all things that you can just do with Siri. Like, you don't have to open World Clock to find out what time it is in another city. You can just ask Siri. And the same thing with setting timers and setting alarms. And But the, all those functions have an icon on the home screen. And you can rearrange the home screen. You have to do it on the iPhone. Um, but you can't hide anything. There's like stocks app that I'm never going to use. Like, it's not even that good of a stocks app. And I don't buy single stocks. And so... Yeah, so th- Apple that, shouldn't be encouraging us to look. It's bad. All yeah. financial advisors tell you to not monitor the stock market closely. Right. That's What's that's the that? other thing. I buy and hold. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about that when we get to the the great courses. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, every iPhone user I know has a folder on their iPhone of the apps that they can't delete that they don't care about, and they call it like <laughs> junk or useless or stupid or whatever. Like you, that. you all have one. <laughs> Anyone who says they don't have one is just crazy. So, but you can't do that on the watch. Like you can't make a folder. I probably wouldn't want to make folders on the watch, like because then I would go crazy. I'd have too many folders. But I, sh- I want to be able to hide them. Like it's a small screen, and there, there's so many apps that I want to put there. That so I'm, I, you know, I have to keep like shoving these built-in apps like f- into the periphery, like further out, further out into the you know ether. But they never go away, and that that drives me crazy. 
Yeah, the uh, that's kind of an Apple thing. Is like uh, we've made this decision for you. I, also, the icons are so similar. Now I realize they have finite yeah. amount of space, but I'm still looking at a bunch of orange icons, and I'm like, stopwatch and timer. Oh. Like I guess wrong every time. <laughs> so I just you can have Siri launch apps too. Is another tip. Like you can say Siri launch stopwatch, and then you you, you will get it right every time. Like she knows the difference, but I can't tell. Yeah, all those little orange icons are way too similar. So uh, systemically, you had issues with the slowness, and, and I've certainly felt that mm-hmm. way too. I think it's a common complaint. So um, we know it's going to get better because Apple tends to improve things. Or, or should we uh, be giving them any, you know, like, okay, well, it's an early device, but, you know, hey, we all paid 400 or more dollars for this thing, 350 or more dollars. Yeah, I mean, people want to feel like they're they're you know they made a smart purchase and stuff, and and I don't think it's necessarily like a dumb thing to spend money on, but yeah, I don't want to give it like points for what it might be later. I want to give it points for what it is right now. So yeah, that kind of bugged me with some of like the early reviews that they said like, oh okay, it's got like all these problems, like eight out of ten, and you're just like, but you know, like you're you're sort of scoring it on on its future potential. So um so yeah, I I tried to just stick to to what I had in front of me and. I thought it was kind of slow. I mean, and part of that's just that Apple, the, all the other Apple devices are so darn fast, you know? The wa- the phone is so responsive. Even just scrolling around the watch face, the home screen, it just seems a little bit laggy. Like, the it's not quite as snappy as the other things. So that's noticeable. And then when you get it and people are like, oh, sh- you know, show me what it can do. And and, and you launch apps and it's just that little spinny thing. They're like, you're like, yeah, okay, it's it's loading. It's, <laughs> it's loading. Okay, there, yeah, there it is. Isn't that cool? And some of the glances took forever. Like I got rid of the maps glance right away because it's like, okay, you are here. I, I don't get right the glances. Here. I'm still not getting glances because it's such an awkward interface. I'm thinking, I keep feeling I'm doing it wrong. And I only, I, I've turned off more and more glances, but I had like nine or 10 enabled, which is too many. But I get to the end of the glances and I'm like, now I have to actually swipe. I have to swipe all the way back, right? I'm not missing something. Yeah, here. they should go in a loop, it seems or, like. Or, or there should be uh, like a, a view, like a, a zoom out view of those even, which is then you get maybe too many levels of metaphor. But uh, it feels weird to have to like cycle through. I'm like, I guess they want to train me to only have a few glances, but yeah. why not maybe limit me at that point? It's uh, It seems odd. Yeah. Yeah, glances are like uh, those notification center widgets on your phone, where it's really yes. easy to overdo it, and you 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 think like you you know you kind of read about okay, like this app has a glance, like that sounds good. I'm gonna turn that on, and then yeah, usually you don't get like that much utility out of it. So less is more with the glances. Um, I've been hearing some complaints about people, uh, and Matt Howie wrote that uh, article we mentioned last week, in fact, where uh, he's in a movie theater and the light the thing starts lighting up mm-hmm. and uh, and it's buzzing him. It's say, stand up he's like i'm in a movie you know it's like all these things that without having too many things enabled they are contextually inappropriate have you encountered that yourself yeah definitely um the standing thing i feel like like sometimes it gives me prompts to stand up when i'm on the bus and your phone knows when you're in transit i was using that app's moves for a while and it was really great at knowing just from the sensors in my phone if i was walking or on in a you know motor vehicle i guess i can't tell the car from the bus but it doesn't really matter um or if i was on a bike like it, it, it was pretty much always right so if my iphone knows that i'm you know moving across the golden gate bridge at 40 miles an hour it should not be telling me to stand up and walk around so and i also wish it could maybe take your like calendar appointments into 
into um into consideration like you could say like okay i'm going to be in this movie for two and a half hours and or ambient, yeah i, I guess you have to put it in too. airplane yeah you'd have you can put it in airplane mode so and then it wouldn't light up um but also, yeah like i i did a vine the first day i had it where i was sitting like eating popcorn i was kind of working on my computer so i was eating popcorn with my left hand and every time i would raise a piece of popcorn in my mouth my like watch face would light up because i'm raising my arm you know so I, I did a little vine just showing like how funny it is but you know if i was at a, in a dark movie theater um you know chomping on popcorn as you do uh yeah if the watch kept lighting up that would be really annoying i might have to put it in airplane uh, mode or take it off or the announcement will be ladies and gentlemen please extinguish your watches before yeah. the start of our picture uh well i i'm a left-handed i'm a lefty and i i do the um the american way of eating which is like i use my fork for both cutting and uh eating and uh picking up pieces of food as opposed to the european method i believe and uh so Every time I lift my left hand, the watch goes on. I guess I turn my wrist to or something. So as I eat, it's like flash, 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 flash. Yeah. It is a little distracting. I'll have my uh, pull the sleeve down. Um, uh, now, so uh, what other concerns did you have? You've, have you had issues with Siri? I've had I definitely had issues getting it to work reliably. Um. Yeah, Siri. So you can have... If you have the activate on wrist raise setting on, you can just raise your wrist and say, hey, Siri. And usually on my phone, I say, hey, Siri, and kind of paused so I know that she's listening. On the watch, it seems like you'll have better results if you just launch right into your query. If you're just like, hey, Siri, what time is it in Barcelona? And like, don't, don't give her a chance to catch up because sometimes if you just say, hey, Siri, and pause for her acknowledgement, she'll just like start processing what you said and you have to sort of wait for her to realize that you didn't say anything yet. And then she asks you, okay, what do you want? And it's, it, the whole thing ends up being slow. So, um, so yeah, it's pressing the digital crown. Then you don't have to say, hey, Siri. You can just press the digital crown. The screen changes and you, and you talk. Or um, if you're going to do the wrist raise thing, just start talking. Just say, hey, Siri, and start talking. And that works a lot better. I'm starting finally to get used to some of the interface stuff where I felt like there were too many buttons and too many not, you know, things you could do. I'm yeah. starting to remember them a little. I, didn't, I was wondering how much sense memory would click in or if it's just too many complicated things. I mean, I got the brochure that came with it, and it's sort of hilarious. I mean, there's a full manual online. Someone asked me, a guy I know who works in tech support, at a, he does a phone tech support for a, a telecoms, and he said, does it come with a manual? And I was like, oh, I mean, look, just that, you know, I didn't think so, but I checked, and I sent him a picture of what was in the case, which shows you all the watch, you know, what you hit and press and the basic stuff, but it has a lot of, you know, not complications, those are on the watch face, but as it's complicated. Uh, but then I searched online, of course, Apple does make, I forget this, I don't know. The if user ever, guide's really good. Yeah, and I'm thinking, oh, here's this huge, really super detailed guide uh, in PDF, HTML, and iBooks, you know, EPUB format. And you can just go, you know, search on watch manual, download it from Apple, and I forget they do this for all their products, but it seems like they don't have a manual because they don't really promote that. They don't want people to be overwhelmed, but it is there. Yeah. It's also useful to remember. Uh, so uh, Apple Pay, I you have You know not, what you could do to remember the buttons? Yes. Just write it on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> on your hand. You draw little Friends. buttons, be like, press this twice for Apple Pay. Oh, my oh, gosh. Okay. That would be a good little, that'd be a good little uh, animation video of people drawing on their hands. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about tattoos in a second. So you can't tattoo it on your wrist because that would be a problem. Uh, now, have either of you used Apple Pay? I have not yet. I've, I've programmed in one of my credit cards. Actually, the interesting thing is, even though I added all of my credit cards and debit cards to the phone, 
phone without having to make any phone calls. I could use apps or uh, SMS codes on my phone with Apple Pay. When I started adding them to the watch through the Apple Watch app on my phone, as one does, uh, only one card was a verified automatically. The other two I've tried so far both required me to call. When I tried to call, the menu prompts didn't make any sense. They didn't match up with what it had me do. So I haven't completed that process yet. Have you had any trouble enabling Apple Pay, either of you, on, your, on, the, on the phone? I mean, the watch? I haven't. Um, it, was, it was really easy. Um, I just, I haven't done all of my credit cards. Just, uh, just I, I usually only do a debit card and a credit card, and, and that's it. Just keep it really simple. Um, but using it is really easy. At first, I forgot that you have to tap the side button, so I'm just like waving my arm in front of the, <laughs> the NFC terminal like a doofus. <laughs> the cashier is I'm like, sure you uh, looked awesome doing yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I was, it was very sophisticated. Very stylish. Yes. Um, she was like, I don't know how it works. I was like, oh, I, I know I'm doing this wrong, and I totally was. I, Wait, I what's the secret? You, you double you press to, the button. Yeah, you have to double press the side button. Um, and Which releases the cyanide gas, so be careful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, all, it's all very dangerous. Um, when you feel but, the electric shock, it's time to pay. <laughs> but once you do that, it's just, I, I thought it was even faster than um, using it on my phone. And, and in this particular store that I tried it at, um, using it on my phone, they still require me to enter my PIN number. But when I did it on the watch, it didn't. So oh, I don't, oh, I don't, I've I don't know if that was weird. Number. Yeah, I don't know. It might have just been a, a one-time thing. But well, transaction if, amounts going to be an issue, too, if it was under. Yeah. They, they used to have, a, I think it was a fixed limit. And my understanding is that the limit now has been raised, but it's variable. So they'll do a risk profile when the transaction goes through. And if it's like $33.78 and you've bought stuff there before with that card, they'll let it through. But for other people, even if it's you know $25, they might require you sign or pin. Yeah, I've had to sign or pin like almost every time, I think, with the watch. And I, al I ne almost never do with the phone. I, love I haven't I have been keeping store. track. I love it when I go with the Apple store. <laughs> you have to sign, I'm like, I know. But really, really, guys. Like, come on, you know it's me. <laughs> uh, well, let, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about some other miscellaneous watch stuff in a second. But um, uh, let's, uh, let's, take, uh, let's watch the time for a moment. And, <laughs> and uh, Susie's going to tell us about the way we can expand our minds. We're going to hearken back to that stocks app with our next sponsor. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, learning doesn't stop when you leave school. And we all know this. Like, all of us are learning about technology every day. Um, that's why I like the great courses. They offer engaging, informative audio and video lecture series. And these are from experts in their fields. So I've been going through the Understanding Investments series, which is a very comprehensive course. It's taught by Connell Fullenkamp, who's a financial economics professor at Duke. And they really don't teach enough about personal finance in school, in my opinion. So this course can get you up to speed in all areas of investing, whether you're just getting started or you already know a little bit. And this is practical knowledge, like how to choose mutual funds that, you know, don't suck and how to analyze a financial statement. So these lessons can help you make smarter choices about your money that are going to really pay off, you know, if you, if you keep doing them for 30, 40 years. And then you know, when you retire, you have millions of dollars. So this could really pay off. This is important information. 
Um, the Gray Course is celebrating their 25th anniversary, and they have more than 500 courses on a big variety of subjects. You can watch or listen to the lectures online. You can download them to your device. You can stream them to the mobile apps. However you want to, to take in this information, they, they're there. They have it all set up for you. And there's a special offer for Macworld listeners. So go to thegreatcourses.com slash Macworld, and you'll see a selection of eight of the best-selling courses. Those are up to 80% off the original price. That's only for a limited time, so do it today. It's thegreatcourses.com slash Macworld. And we thank The Great Courses for sponsoring the podcast. My mind feels, feels much bigger. Uh, one financial aspect, you know, I've thought I had this passing glimmer. Even though I'm a reporter and I need to write about this watch, I was sort of, it wasn't disappointed, but I, after a few days I thought, do I really need this right now? And I could arbitrage. You know, do I want to be in that business? I bought it with my own money. I could probably sell this thing for oh, you could. $800 because people yeah. are so desperate. I'm like, is that ethically, you know, is it ethically wrong? It's not ethically wrong. It's not like it's gasoline or water during a crisis, but it, it makes me feel bad as a person to do that yeah. because it's not my goal in life to to arbitrage. But I had that, I did have the past moment, like, I could make hundreds of dollars selling this thing that I got with my own money, but I think not. I think I shall keep it and continue to get used to it and, and, uh, perform writing tasks with it. I'd be cooler flipping a watch than I would like, you know, scalping a ticket for a concert. Yeah, that sounds, that's funny. That sounds terrible in contrast, doesn't it? Yeah. But uh, people, people want the watch and there's demand. It's like the phones. That's how uh, pulls demand out. Uh, but so we wanted to talk about, uh, Caitlin, you spent some time dealing with uh, the workout app and the fitness features and activity features on the phone, on the uh, watch rather. And uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but you wrote a whole feature about it. And um, I would love to hear more about your experience about the, um, especially about modes, because I think I'm still uh, not totally tuned into the difference between the sort of regular activity mode and the workout app and mode. So I'd love it if you could help listeners understand what the nuance is there and then how it interacts with the phone's tracking as well. Yeah, so the activity app, um, you know, the the watch is always tracking your movement um, with its sensors, but it doesn't track your heart rate continuously throughout the day unless you open the workout app and start a new workout. And that's just to conserve battery. Otherwise, you know, your watch would die within like an hour or two. So, um, but if you track your workout and the and let the heart rate sensor, you know, run throughout you really get a good idea of um, how many calories you're burning and how intense your workouts are. And if you're doing anything above uh, a brisk walk, so that includes like um, CrossFit or or any sort of weight training, um, yoga, things like that, Apple doesn't have um, specific settings for that in the workout app yet, um, but it can still track your heart rate. And so you'll get a good idea of how, how intense those workouts are, even if they're not standard types of exercise, like, you know, running or, or cycling or things like that. And um, I just think it gives you a really great uh, baseline for, for how, um, how much you're doing and, and how, your, how your heart rate is and your pace. And um, I use it for outdoor runs and um, gym workouts, like elliptical, things like that. Um, and yeah, I just, I really love the, um, the snapshot of the workout and being able to compare it to past workouts. Like you can, I can look at my, my run from last week and compare it to my run from today and, and see, oh, I'm, 
you know, I was really slow today. Well, because I didn't know where I was going. So I was really just like looking around and, and sort of checking out my neighborhood. Um, but I, I definitely want to get faster as I learn my route. And um, then it gives you an entire picture in the activity app. So that's just a, a huge glance at your day-to-day -day activities. And it doesn't give you um, the constant heart rate information that the workout app does. So that's that's the the basic differences between the two. I'm, I'm sort of interested in the, the heart rate thing because uh, so even though it's not tracking it continuously in normal mode, it's taking a snapshot of your heart rate on a regular basis, right? So it's it's yeah. tracking yeah. your heart rate on, a, on some kind of increment. It's about every 10 minutes. That's kind of interesting. I'm really fascinated now when you get the research kit. And uh, <clears throat> I've been open about it. I had a stent put in almost two years ago in my heart. Unexpected clogged artery, uh, uh, asymptomatic person. And so, um, among other things, I have to watch my maximum heart rate. And I haven't uh, – I'm going to be edging back into more strenuous exercise because uh, I'm in, in a, checked out perfectly fine. But um, I have a different uh, target rate and a different maximum rate because of the some of the uh, beta blockers and things I'm on. And uh, I also just love the idea that my heart rate's being tracked all the time. I love the idea that there will be apps in the future that will help me do something like that and say, okay, you know, here's my age and weight and so forth, but I need to set my rate 20% lower and have it provide feedback. It's so early on. Do you see the potential for that? Are you seeing anything in the current state of, um, you know, first party apps and then and we, we're probably not seeing the range of third yet that will help people with that kind of variety of, uh, of fitness issues? I can definitely see that coming down the line. Um, right now, uh, third-party app developers can't tap into the heart rate sensor, so um, they, you know, there's there's not much that you can see about your heart rate unless you know you put it in in workout mode. And and like you said, if you have an idea of what your max should be, and while you're working out, you can see it's way above that. You know, you need to bring it down. Um, but uh, I think the potential for a research kit and, and watch app developers when they have access to the sensors down the line, hopefully it'll be this year, but I'm not, not too sure on the timeline. Um, I think that will just open up so many possibilities for um, researchers and doctors and people who just really want to take control of their health. But you know, don't love going to see the doctor all the time because no one has time for that. And now that you have this thing on your wrist that can track your vitals, um, you know, that's that could be a game changer. I think Research Kit is is one of Apple's, you know, biggest products in a while. Well, I've been thinking about um, elder care also. Is, uh, there is just an announcement that the Japan Post, uh, as a newspaper in Japan, is going to distribute 5 million iPads to elderly Japanese. And uh, it's unclear exactly, like, there was an announcement, and the details are all very murky about what it means. Like, are they going to sell them? Are they going to subsidize them? But it's partly for um, to provide elder care services, because J uh, Japan has a huge demographic bulge that America is moving towards, uh, and a number of developed nations are moving towards, where there simply will not be enough people to provide enough care and monitoring. And I think something like this if as long as someone could be, you know, reminded to, to charge their watch if they're not a computer person, uh, I was just thinking, you know, what if the heart rate suddenly gets elevated and the watch like, oh, that's high, let's monitor it more. Oh, let's ping the person, make sure they're okay. Oh, let's call the healthcare provider. They're not responding. Let's send an ambulance out. Like I think about automated tools like that that could reduce the, you know, improve someone's health and monitoring without requiring more people, but to you know, improve quality of life like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Japan Post has this cool feature where um, you can get, the, you can have the the mail carriers basically like look in on your, your, oh, I said your a, relatives. I said a newspaper. Sure it's okay. it's the postal service. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's 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 the postal service. I think so. So that's that's really neat. And yeah, they're going to use iPads to to um, you know to improve that service, it sounds like. Um, but yeah, the watch could do that too. I mean, if you have someone who's even, even if it's not, you know, an, an old person, if there's someone who's like struggling with depression and then like, you know, the, you see that their physical activity just plummets, like that could be, you know, a red flag. Um, there's cause activity just really helps so many areas of your life that, um, you know, encouraging people to move more will make, will make us all healthier. The thing that I've really been liking about the, um, the workout and the activity apps and how they work together is that you can't cheat <laughs> because because it's it's um, determining your exercise minutes based on your health your heart rate. Yeah. You can't just like you know open RunKeeper and be like, okay, I'm taking a run now and go like you know walk around the block for 30 minutes and like never you know break a sweat and just you know kind of slack off. And but that's a, that was a 30 minute workout because you logged it that way, you know. But if you log a workout I have a an exercise bike at home that has like a little desk attached so sometimes I work on it and I'm just sort of like pedaling as I'm working but I'm not pedaling very hard and my heart rate doesn't go very high and other times I'll just put you know like an iPad on there and watch a movie and then I'll like pedal really hard and do an actual workout so I did 40 minutes on the bike the other day and only like 25 of them counted Ooh. as exercise minutes because yeah I, I, just so wasn't healthy. Going, I was I was answering some email you know I was multitasking this is trouble the so, healthy you get the harder it is to get your heart rate up to a level where it counts as exercises. I think it's yep. a reverse incentive. Uh, yeah, but but then you know you, it'll keep you from just plateauing that way too. So so yeah, I I there have been other bands that have done heart rate, but they look so uncomfortable, and you got to really clamp them onto your wrist to get to get good readings. So I had avoided like you know heart rate tracking in exercise bands until now, but having it on the Apple Watch is, has been really cool, and I sort of like how it's keeping me honest about my workouts. And so yeah, I it's it's pretty neat. I like how you, so I got Move credit for you know the the minutes that I did that weren't you know I was still burning calories. So I got move credit for burning those calories, but I only got exercise credit when I was really like honestly exercising. So I like that it's keeping me honest. Well, we'll see um, more heart rate tracking like this, I think, from other devices too, because uh, uh, the green LED uh, technology it's used for my favorite word, recent word, photoplethysmography, for the photo, <laughs> the light-based detection of blood movement. Uh, the Fitbit Charge HR has green LEDs also. Apple has both green LEDs and infrared. Uh, and um, the the uh, I, it sounds like green LEDs are just coming to their own. It's been thought about for a long time. Apple will probably have the first you know device, the mass market device, uh, that reaches the most people with them. But we're going to see them in other uh, devices. So that'll be a competitive feature to do more accurate uh, heart rate and more frequent heart rate checking on on fitness trackers in general. I believe, which is good for all of us. Uh, hey, so there was a the little uh, sort of a bright story. Is um, we're going to finish up with uh, with a couple things here. One was. Uh, Apple watches in uh, tattoos. Um, <laughs> our friend Serenity Caldwell at iMore did a in, uh, thorough investigation of how tattoo ink interferes with uh, with that feature, with being able to detect one's uh, pulse. And Apple even updated their documentation, I think, after the article came out, uh, to note that tattoos might interfere. Uh, so that's a, that's a sort of a funny side effect of, uh, 
of this new this new watch. Your mom was right. Oh yeah, I'm afraid I just got a new sleeve, but she gets because of her profession, she needs to be able to wear long sleeves, long actual uh, clothing sleeves. So her tattoos will never extend below her, you know, upper arm. And uh, so, but a lot of people now do have tattoos. Um, you know, when I was a kid, it was there were not many people had tattoos that would cover. For that reason, you know, they could be in a profession, you couldn't show, and now it's a whole different world. So people have tattoos on their hands and so forth. But I was surprised about the number of people who have uh, top wrist tattoos with dark ink where that is an issue. It's also very sensitive, that skin. I already have needle problems. but <laughs> Yeah, it's right over a bone, too. That would really hurt to get a tattoo there. Yeah, but they look pretty cool. But uh, So you're going to test with uh, frozen temporary tattoos. <laughs> I am <laughs> swimming in frozen temporary tattoos right now. It's the reports. We've gotten many goodie bags at, at birthday parties that are just crammed with frozen temporary tattoos. And my son is anti-anything, any kind of adornment. He doesn't like jewelry. He doesn't like tattoos he doesn't like band-aids so they're all just sitting around so I'm, maybe maybe i'll do a little video where i put on a bunch of tattoos and see if, <laughs> if frozen temporary tattoos are the same well and speaking of seeing if frozen we have a, a, our final conversation about water is uh caitlin you were writing about um the delicate task of cleaning your watch if the digital crown becomes gunked up so there you actually can clean the thing with water this terrifies me a little bit Yes, it, it scares me too. I won't even wash dishes with the watch on because I'm just panicked that something will happen to it. And, and uh, that's, you know, $350. That's, you want to protect that. Um, but Apple says, you know, you turn off the watch, make sure you're not charging it, and you can run the crown itself under uh, warm tap water. So um, this is just a, you know... Uh, clear out any gunk that's between the the crown and the the case of the watch, and I haven't tried it because you know my watch is brand new. I don't think it's gunked up yet, um, but I'm I'm a little scared. But they they said it's fine. You know the watch is water resistant, um, and I, I I've read that Tim Cook even showers with his on, although I would not advise anyone to do that. Um, so I I don't know. I I guess the watch is safe to clean with water. I would imagine Tim Cook has people to shower for him, though. That's <laughs> or an endless it. supply of backup yeah. You could just get a new one. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Just goes right. He walks out, and there's a new one gets strapped. I mean, on. it's rated IPX seven, which is submergible and up to a meter for up to thirty minutes. But you know, they they don't want you to swim with it. Um, and but if if you dropped it in some water, it should be okay. Like if you were doing the dishes, I mean, that's hot water, so that that might be different. I don't know. Well, that's what Kyle Weens from uh, iFixit was again on last week's episode, he said that the temperature differential is the thing that he's most worried about because the gaskets are good at a given temperature related to the ambient air and the temperature of the wash. But if you suddenly got super hot or super cold, like even in the water, plunging into cold seawater, uh, he thinks that could actually cause it to shrink, you know, shrink or expand and let water in more than just, oh, you know, yeah. so that's why they would recommend warm water right. um, or cool water, but uh, that's where he would have more, or for a prolonged period of time, it might be fine in regular, you know, room temperature water and not in boiling water. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, now everyone knows how to clean the, how to clean your watch, how to train your dragon, how to clean your watch, and why not to get tattoos on the upper side of your wrist to use the lower side, apparently. That's the <laughs> lessons we draw from this week's episode. Well, this is, uh, we've done all things watch. Next week, we'll, I'm sure, have some more Mac and iOS-related stories because we'll have uh, we've exhausted some watch topics and we'll learn some more about what's going on there. So thank you, Caitlin, for being a guest on this week's program. Thanks for having me. Susie, great to talk to you as always. 
Yeah, see you next week. And thanks to our sponsors this week, Dashlane, Igloo, and The Great Courses. This was episode 455 of the Macro Podcast for May 6, 2015. I'm Glenn Fleischman, and thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week.